much candy Sugar, it ain't a pager, it's a pump But when I'm jonesing, it comes in handy Tell me, sugar mama, what's your A1C? Are you into endocrinology? Pricker is a pricker and the pumping is pumping Beats like Wilford Brimley keep coming But, officer, I ain't been drinking My blood sugar is low Welcome to the 69th episode of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast, featuring fellow T1D and future diabetes philanthropist, Rebecca Wilbur. I truly, I mean, I really cannot believe this is the 69th episode. I'm still alive. Things are working. Oh my gosh. You know, it's crazy. And I've got a killer lineup, um, a future guest in the queue. So yay. Yay me. If you're new to the show, my name is Amber Kluwer, and I'm the co-founder of the Diabetes Daily Grind and host of the Real Life Diabetes Podcast. I'm not bragging, but I'm an expert in keeping myself alive since my diagnosis 36 years ago, and really enjoy sharing my story and those of others living the real life with diabetes. You never know what the universe is going to send your way, and um, I had the opportunity to meet someone new and someone who has had diabetes almost as long as I have, but again, like in a positive way, a T1D dinosaur. And I just love meeting fellow people who, who can get it at that level. Uh, I rarely attend the T1D support group for families, but felt really compelled to catch up with the T1D kiddos and their parents here in Oklahoma City. They meet once a month and I'm always surprised by the support and I just, I love being there. By chance, a new face was in the crowd, and after splitting off into the parents' group, I soon learned Rebecca's story. There was not a dry eye in the group. She was, she was vulnerable, unapologetic, and brutally honest, touching on topics many people living with diabetes face, especially in the earlier years. This episode is not doom and gloom, but one of hope and how a few moments in life can change your attitude and guide you to, in a more positive direction. Rebecca and her family are changing lives, so I hope you will listen to the very end to see how you can be a part of the journey. Always having to check to see if your level is up or down. What you have for dinner, what you have for lunch Did you have too many or not enough Getting all of the levels of shoot up Shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up, shoot up And I'm alive Yes, I'm alive Before we get started, I want to share a few quick announcements And I've kind of reduced this a little bit Just because I'm sick of saying the same thing Fact Announcement number one, people, we've, I need your diabetes hacks and confessions. It is completely anonymous, and I think it's hilarious. And the ones that have come across so far just make me, A, I've thought about things differently, honestly, and it's just funny to hear somebody else do something crazy in their diabetes management. It's not medical advice, but just kind of like what you're into. So, Feel free to send me a speak pipe message, which you can do so on the Diabetes Daily Grind website or a voice memo to amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Let's start with this one. Diabetes hacks and confessions. Well, if you're old school like me, you probably use a alcohol swab before pricking your finger. 
it's easy to go through those suckers so fast and run out of them. So sometimes I'd try to reuse them. Uh, it's simple. I just, after I use it, I shove it back into the bottom of the package, fold the top closed, and that way I get a few uses out of it. All right, announcement number two. And I keep pushing this. Listen up, die peeps. I know you are downloading episodes, and thank you for that. I'm so excited to be back on iTunes. Now I'm on Spotify and something else, but all of that will be in the show notes. I'm really expanding the podcast platform so that it's easier for everyone to find an episode at their convenience. So please consider the Patreon subscription that I've created. It is easy peasy. There are multiple levels and plenty of perks for subscribers, or you can determine how much you would like to share to keep the episodes coming for free. As I mentioned in previous episodes, there are perks. I've finally been given clearance to announce I've scored another interview with the legendary Rev Run and his lovely wife, Justine. It has been three or so years since we uh, last chatted over episode 24. You should check it out. And I can't wait to hear what they're up to. They have a killer platform right now, and I really believe in how they share their message to help prevent type 2 diabetes within their family. And as I said about the perks, for those Patreon members at the $20 or above level, you will have an opportunity to submit a question. This is only one of many exciting future guests, so I don't know what's holding you back. Pull out your wallet and sign up. I promise you won't regret it. And your money's going to good things. Let's keep these episodes free. I will say that I've been working with some incredible companies, reputable and ones I believe in. You'll be hearing more about them as sponsors and advertisers in the future. All of which are products I have used and support. Not giving advice, just sharing my story. And I'm happy to share what they're doing with the masses. So, anywho, number three, theme song input. Again, people, I'm ready for a new song. And as much as I would like to give him all the information, you have different ways of saying things. And so, I mean, we've got so many words. I learn something new every day. I guess I'm going to have to start taking my own notes. But if you want to share a couple of things and be a part of the theme song, there might be something in it for you. Just throwing that out there. No promises, but you can just send those words via any social media platform or, again, to amber at diabetesdailygrind.com. Hopefully, that'll be the last time I say that. Number four, please continue to love, like, and share, comment, or anything you see fit. Um, iTunes reviews are always nice, and they come in the weirdest waves, but I'm always, I tear up every time. So thank you for those. And don't forget, I'm on Facebook. Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and LinkedIn. It's easy to find me, and I am always down to connect. Hmm. I think that wraps up, it wraps up this episode's announcements. So let's get started. All right. So I'm sitting here in Rebecca's office in Northwest Oklahoma City. And hi, Rebecca. Hello. <laughs> so I have to just share really quick with um, the listeners. We met literally a month ago today. Yes. 
Yes, we did. Because the play group is tonight. So Oklahoma City is lucky enough to have an Oklahoma City support group for um, children with diabetes and then their parents. So they kind of split it up. It's it's great. It's the Harold Ham Diabetes Center. They're kind enough to let them host it there. So you were you can, I never come to that. I've been like once or twice and just happened to show up that day. And you were there to talk about something that was really exciting. So um, we'll get into that here a little bit later. Yes, yes. <laughs> Just wanted to let everybody know how we actually met because you never know when you're going to hear a story that is worth capturing. And hers is definitely that. So let's talk about a little bit about your diagnosis. Okay. Um, I am type 1. Yep. Um, I own it and uh, (laughs) I have it. It doesn't have me. I claim it every day. Right. In my own little ways. Um, Sometimes not, you know, verbally, but (laughs) but I claim it. I take control. Um, At 14, my Mm -hmm. family lived here in Oklahoma and we moved uh, from Oklahoma to a suburb of St. Louis. Okay. And I'm just going to apologize to everybody right now. (laughs) This will only be the third time that I've ever talked about. Right. Um, so I just want to apologize. Everybody gets emotional on the show at some point. And I think that's one of the reasons I fell in love with Rebecca from the beginning is that she shared her story with these parents. You know, she was crying. She at least kept it together and looked like a civil person. I got into the ugly cry a little later, but it's, you know, for a lot of us talking about it, it is emotional. And I think the older we get sometimes because you, you really reflect and look back in those years and they were a struggle. They were. And I, and I think, how did I hold this in so long? Right. Um, so we had moved uh, from Oklahoma to the suburb of St. Louis, and almost immediately I started showing symptoms. But of course, we didn't know. Right. I didn't know. My family didn't know. No one in my family has type one. Right. Nobody'd ever had it. Um, and uh, I just, I was obviously not doing well. And I was at school and passed out, fell down a flight of stairs, uh, got taken to the emergency room, <clears throat> and of course, diagnosed with type one and what did you did they t- i mean because so many people are misdiagnosed with like a flu or other things mm-hmm. were they did they immediately think that or no to be perfectly honest they thought i was pregnant oh. at 14 <laughs> and started to do an exam and um honestly i was screaming oh, uh, i'm not sure. pregnant i'm not pregnant i you know right um and uh the nurse at the school and we're talking 30 years ago, uh, not educated. Yeah. No one at the school had type one. Um, told my mom that she felt like I was depressed and I was probably faking uh, some of the symptoms that I had been displaying. Um, there were several days I wasn't able to go to school because I couldn't physically get up. Yeah. You know, didn't have the strength to physically get up. At 14, I was wetting the bed, I was drinking constantly. I mean, you can go down the checklist. <laughs> I had them all. You know, I was like, one, two, three. Yep. Did you and lose I, a lot of weight? I did. Um, and mm-hmm. I was five foot, about five foot five at 14, mm-hmm. and I was all about 120 pounds to start out with. Okay. And so I was already very thin and then was losing more weight. Right. Um, so weight loss, excessive thirst, wetting the bed at 14, mm. not able to sleep, then sleeping and not able to physically pick myself up right. out of the bed some days. And then I'd go all day and not eat. And the next day I'd wake up and I'd be like, okay, I can, I can go. And you yeah. know, just had no understanding of it. And so, you know, here I am at the hospital, um, you know, they're telling my mom, you know, she's, we're going to ship her to Cardinal Glennon hmm. in St. Louis and she's going to be there for a hot minute. And, you know, I'm finding, you know, that the nurse 
you know, thought that I was faking. And right. I need, they made a psychologist appointment for me. Hmm. Um, you know, which looking back now I can see, well, I mean, I did act depressed. I did have some right. of the same symptoms. Um, so I get it. Right. I understand it. Um, it took a minute to forgive, but I get it. <laughs> um, I got well, to, with everything you're talking about too, I don't care what age you are. That's exhausting. And you, I'm sure you, you didn't feel well. No. I mean, so depression, I feel like is a no. close, it's on your back. Yep. Yep. And, and I can see, I mean, you got this country kid moving to the city. Right. And I know I'm in Oklahoma City, Edmond area now, but I'm truly, you know, a country kid, lived down on right. five acres, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And um, I, so I, I get it. Right. Um, I get to go home, and about a week later, um, I am back at the hospital. And um, I'll talk about a couple of things that I didn't get to talk about before. Um, I started having severe headaches. Right. And I uh, came home from school, and I'd only been back at school a couple of days. And uh, one of the days that I, I was starting to feel really sick, again, I'm checking my blood sugars. My blood sugars are right on point. Um, Which is a miracle, honestly. At 14, newly diagnosed. Yeah. So kudos. So, okay. I call it whatever you want to call it. I. <laughs> What I knew is if taking that shot made me feel better, that's what I, I, I was okay at yeah. that moment. At yeah. that moment in time, if taking a shot made me feel like I could get up out of bed and go on, right. I was in. Yeah, It didn't last long, but I was <laughs> in for a minute. <clears throat> um, and so I hadn't even been at school a couple of days. And of course, we're trying to educate everybody. Right. You know, and I've got this girl with long blonde hair, super cute and um you know everyone's trying to figure out what the world type one diabetes is and you know she looks at me and asks me if it's contagious <laughs> and mm. i'm just broken but you know my question at that too i mean kids are ignorant because i mean they haven't been exposed to things yeah. but what was that really a fear of hers and did you ever i mean i don't remember ever anyone ever telling me in the hospital at children's that it's not contagious you know what i mean so right, right. yeah I mean, I remember sitting there thinking, if I was contagious, would I be here? Would they let me come back? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know that I would be here. Um, but what she didn't know is that uh, I had contracted a very contagious uh, <laughs> illness while I was at the hospital, and oh, um, I had this. I was in my room, and uh, there was a super cute guy, man, across the hall. And just imagine, fourteen, super cute guy across the hall. Um, nothing to do but watch TV right. and walks over to my room. Um, he's standing in the doorway and is just talking to me. We're just talking. And um, the nurse came up and, you know, kind of got on to him to go back to his room. Right. Um, and I find out four days after I've gone home, I'm diagnosed with spinal meningitis. <laughs> he was in the hospital for meningitis <sighs> and didn't touch me just was literally a couple of feet from me um and just my immune system was so weak yeah um and which i'll be honest with you i have no idea on god's green earth how he was able to stand up walk out of that room and walk over to me with the meningitis because i was not able to do that right i was coming home from school um just horrific headaches and um it it finally was so bad uh, my mom put me in the back of our van, and because I couldn't even I couldn't sit up, um, I had to lay down. We lived an hour from Cardinal Glennon. Mm. She called Cardinal Glennon, 
and is driving me back to the hospital in rush hour traffic and um, screams back at me every now and then, you know, Becky, Becky, what, are you okay? Are you okay? And I would moan or move. And, right. um, you know, at one point in time, she says, don't die on me. So how scary that, I mean, I mean, obviously you're freaked out. You've just, you I mean, death right. doorstep already. Right. And to be a parent, I can't imagine what your mom was going through. So we, we get there and of course they say she has meningitis. <laughs> She's too weak. And um, they told my mom, you need, you need to call the rest of the family because she may not make it. Right. So my dad still lived here in Oklahoma. My dad had an eight-hour drive <laughs> to get there. And, uh, you know, just imagine my family. I've been diagnosed with type 1. Nobody even knows what it is. We're still trying to figure it out. Right. Um, and literally a few days later, I have meningitis, and they're telling him, she's, she's not going to make it. You need to call people in. And... Uh, my dad shows up, I don't even remember anymore, like one, two in the morning, and just comes bursting through the door. <laughs> and I'm like, Dad, you have to get out. You've got to get a suit on. I'm in a bubble. I yeah. mean, everything you hear about the, the kid in the bubble, <laughs> that was me in my room. I had a bubble and then an inner bubble. And um, by this time, they had given me enough medicine that, you know, the, a lot of the pressure, I didn't feel right. a lot of the pressure. Um, and, you know, my dad walked in. And he, you know, opened the flap, and uh, I said, "Dad, you can't, you can't be here." <laughs> and uh, he said, "If you're going, then I'm right where I need to be." <laughs> and you just think, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for those kind of parents that are right. all in, all in. So that kind of sets the stage, right, for the next couple of years of my life, um, because at some point in time. It's no longer, I'll take a shot because it makes me feel better. Yeah. I'm 14 years old. I'm in a, I'm in a town I don't care about, in a community I don't understand. You right. know, country girl coming to the city. Right. Um, and I'm, I'm struggling to adjust. I'm struggling to figure out who I am with type 1 diabetes. Right. Um, and I'm tr- struggling to try to explain to people you know, why, why I'm constantly taking my blood sugar or, you know, I don't, I don't feel good. And it's two hours after lunch and, you know, everybody else is kind of still on the, you know, the lunch kick. And I'm like, I I can't do it. I, you know, I have, I've got to, you know, readjust or something. And it's just when you're making new friends, puberty, yeah, the end of middle school, the beginning of high school. Um, and then I changed schools again. Oh, we moved. And maybe that's a fresh start. Could have been, could have been. It was, it was good. My, my high school years, when I look back, were good. Yeah. Um, but I reached a point in time where I was broken. And um, there was a day where I had low blood sugar. My bedroom was kind of in the basement. In Missouri, we have basements. <laughs> and a neat little basement, neat little bedroom. But my blood sugar was so low, I couldn't, I couldn't stand up and walk. Right. Um, so I crawled up the stairs from the basement to the kitchen and I crawled across the kitchen floor and we kept the cereal in the bottom cabinets. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Right. (laughs) And I was so, uh, let me tell you something. Honey nut Cheerios is the best part of this memory because (laughs) I, 
I know, I think Honey Nut Cheerios probably came out sooner than 30 <laughs> years ago, but to me, that's my first memory right. of Honey Nut Cheerios. Um, I love them to this day. I laid in the floor in the kitchen eating Honey Nut Cheerios by the handful. And my mama heard rustling in the kitchen. Right. And she came in, you know, Becky, what's going on? You know, and I can't even answer her. Right. I can't, I can't even, I can't speak. All I can do is grab by the handful <laughs> and shove Honey Nut Cheerios in my mouth. And it's all over me. It's all over the floor. Yep. I mean, there are Cheerios everywhere. And my mama <clears throat> walks over there and sits down in the floor with me and starts eating Cheerios with me. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't, I don't want these. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to eat. I'm not hungry. Yeah. And she says, I'm going to do this with you. And eventually my mama walked over and, or crawled over actually, and, and lifted me up so that I could sit up. Yeah. Cause that, you know, after a little while you get enough strength. And so I'm sitting up. Are you sweating? Oh yeah. I sweat, yeah. sweat, shake, can't speak. Yep. My, my mind is absolutely focused on. And was this one of your very first like hardcore lows? This was, all, this was the first hardcore low. First one. First yeah. one I, re- I remember. And, and one of the more tougher ones. I've had, yeah. I've had a handful, but absolutely one of, one of the most important for me. Yeah. So my mama pulls me up and sets me up against the cabinet. And I'm finally, after, you know, 15, 20 minutes, I'm getting the ability to speak. And I said to her, Mama, just let me go. Will you please just let me go? And here she's fighting so hard for you. And she looked at me and I said, please, this would be so much easier. I have two little brothers. I said, it would be so much easier. Just let me go. Right. She looks at me and she says, Don't you give up on me. Don't you give up on me. And I had no idea what that meant at the time. Right. Actually, I kind of was mad and I thought, Well, how selfish. (laughs) How selfish of you. This is my disease. Yeah. This is mine. And, uh, you know, after a few minutes, I'm, I'm, I'm all good. Blood sugar's up. We're okay. Mom gives me a hug and she says, you know, let's not try to do it again. (laughs) But if you need it, we'll keep the Cheerios in the bottom cabinet, (laughs) you know? So a little bit of time goes by and I, uh, I get this letter in the mail and I I'm done. I I'm done emotionally and I'm a teenager. Right. And I've just had it. And I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking is, oh, I just need to go back to bed. One low blood sugar. Right. Just lay there, wake up in the morning, and it'll be all over. Right. I get this letter in the mail. It says, you've been accepted to camp, Camp EDI. And I was mad. I am not going to camp. I am not sitting around with a bunch of other type 1 diabetics. (laughs) Balling and talking about how much insulin we're taking and and my blood sugar is perfect and yours is, you know, 200. I said, I'm not doing it. Right. 
I'm not going. I'm not doing it. I don't need this. So your mom had kind of secretly signed you up. My mom had signed me up. <laughs> and I was like, and she said, you're going. I'm going to tell you, life didn't just, camp didn't just change my life. Going to camp saved my life. Right. I didn't know how important it was to have a support team around me Mm -hmm. that knew exactly what it was. I couldn't lie to them. Right. I couldn't pretend. I got to be everything that I was and I am. You know, and the mentality at camp was, you haven't taken your shot yet? Come on, hurry up. Let's go. We got things. You're, we got you're things slowing to do. us down, right? <laughs> there, there are things for us to do. Why, why haven't you taken your blood sugar yet? Come on. It, it was the norm, not the exception, right? And that was so empowering for me, for the country girl from Oklahoma <laughs> in the big city. It was empowering for me. The only reason I got to go to camp. Because I was, my parents were divorced and um, single mom, you know, three kids. And my dad was doing everything he could. Um, but still, it's, it's still tough. Strapped, it's, right. still, it's still tough. Yeah. They couldn't afford, you know, to send me to camp. Camp even then was five, six hundred dollars, yeah. you know, 30 years ago. Someone wrote a check with my name on it. Someone donated a week for me. Do you know who that person is? I have no idea. Not to this day. I have no idea who wrote the check and said, send her to camp. That's incredible. The kindness of others. So because someone said she needs this, because someone said, I'm going to give this. Yeah. I got to go. And what that person, I, I know they didn't know at the time because this will be the first time publicly, hmm. third time in two months <laughs> that I've told this story. But I was ready to be done. I was ready to walk away. I was ready to give up. Did you contemplate suicide? And for me, it was as easy as just let my blood sugar go low and I won't crawl up the stairs this time. It's, you know, I think because of the age, maybe you were in a space, you were old enough to know that that would kill you. Mm -hmm. Where growing up, you know, being diagnosed at age eight, it was that the fear of that was what was going to happen, that they were going to find me dead, you know, right. and just, wow, yeah, kind of goes into the diabolemia. Like, I, I'm so thankful that, and not that I wasn't depressed, and, and I mean, there was plenty of times, but I was struggling to stay alive, you know? Yeah. And, you know, yeah, that's crazy. And I have to say, just in a similar story, is that I, we had a two-and-a-half-story home, and my bedroom was on the top story, of course, and my parents or my sisters would find me wandering the halls, um, getting downstairs. I remember sitting on the floor eating packets of honey with saltine crackers because that's all I could find. Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Just and yeah. like, or waking up in a puddle. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> yeah. But I don't, I, my, I don't know if they, my, anywho, yeah. I, then it just became natural. Like, I, I mean, I swear, even to this day, I can sleepwalk <laughs> to get my sugar. <laughs> and like, now I have glucose right. tabs my nightstand. I'm like, Amber, save yourself a break. Come on, you could hurt yourself. Right. But Well, and the, ben- the benefit to you is that you, not that it's a benefit to be diagnosed young, but you were young enough Absolutely. that it was ingrained. Let's, let's avoid it. Let's avoid it. And I think the teenage years, I mean, I've interviewed so many people that were diagnosed at 18 or 19. Man, you knew what life was like before. And yeah. you did at 14. And especially, yeah. I mean, of all the times to get diagnosed, that would suck. It was horrible. It was horrible. I have a, I have a great family. Yeah. I had a great family. Um, but none of that changed how I felt or what I went through. Right. And that I will say this. You know, when I spoke to the parent group, um, I, I was almost hysterical because I'm, I'm thinking, I'm going to tell this group of parents yeah, that I was ready, I, I was suicidal, I was ready to throw in the towel, I was ready to be done, and there wasn't anything that my amazing family could have done right. for me. And I'm sitting here and I'm going to tell these parents this story. <laughs> And their babies are in the next room. And I was horrified. And I will tell you, I was emotionally wrecked when I left there. I was, yeah. Because all I could think is, if my mom and dad were in that room, could I look at them in the face and tell them my story? Right. And so I'm, I'm going to be very honest. I told my family, hey, we're going to do a podcast. Did not tell them what we're going to talk about. <laughs> And uh, so before, <laughs> but and, and I, you know, obviously I, I'm going to need to have a conversation pretty quick. And this forces me uh, to do that, to share with them. But don't um, you think, I mean, I know that, thank you, Brene Brown, being vulnerable is very tough. So you are literally throwing yourself out there. Imagine what it's going to feel like to have that monkey off your back. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm carrying it pretty heavy right now. <laughs> Wine can help. Right, wine. Oh, let me tell you. Um, and, and I've thought about this, and my husband James and I have talked about this for, for several days since we talked about doing the podcast. I can't take this back. That's right. I can't change this. I can't deny this. It's one of the most vulnerable things I've probably ever done because I do not live my life forward right um but i also know that my passion for what saved me Mm -hmm. my passion for camp is greater than my passion to live privately yeah and because i have a passion for camp i've had the opportunity to share to um relate yeah meet more type ones than I've ever met in my life or been around (laughs) in my life. And it, you know, I've always wondered, especially lately, Lord, why have I not ever told my story? Why have I not ever talked about crawling up the stairs? And I'm going to tell you when I envisioned doing this podcast, I envisioned me bawling hysterically, but it's it's by grace. It's by grace, (laughs) you know, um, but Lord, why, why have I never told this before? And, and I truly believe he made me strong enough right. to get to this moment. 
because what we are doing right now is going to change lives. Absolutely. And that's the, what, the reasons I get out of bed every day um, is the opportunity to hopefully help somebody else that's going through this, whether it's the parent. And just like you were saying, how difficult it was for you to speak to them about it. Um, maybe you're, you're, you're giving them a gift knowing that mental health, how, how important it is to let your child be angry, to let them be yes. sad. And if they have that conversation, find the right tools that can help that kid. And for you, it was camp. Yep. So did you go back every year? For me, it was camp. I went back to camp. We went to camp, and then I became a camp counselor, and the guy I was dating became a camp counselor. <laughs> and we did that until we were grown-ups, and I moved back to Oklahoma. Um, That's incredible. Camp was the life-saving thing for me. It was the yearly refueling of... Uh, my life, my energy, my purpose. Did you um, stay in contact with some of the campers throughout the year? We did. We did. And um, the ones that were more my age, um, every now and then they'd have a little retreat or something and we would all meet up. But it was empowering to me. I mean, I was older when I was diagnosed compared to a lot of the kids at camp. And so I had a different perspective right. on a lot of things. And it was emotional for me to watch a five or six year old give themselves a shot. Oh, I get, I lose it. And I will tell you when I, I was looking at some pictures to update the website with the other day and there's a little girl and she's probably about five or six giving herself her shot. And I sat here in my office and I started crying <laughs> and I just yeah. thought, wow, but she's in control and she's doing it. She's doing it. It was a it was a little kid. Whenever I used to sit um, sit as an advisory board member for Camp Blue Hawk, which is with the Harold Ham Diabetes Center, and um, visiting, we did the uh, uh, what were we called the MCs essentially for their award ceremony. Mm -hmm. This was in the first year, and I walked in that room and just lost it because all these kids are whipping out their things, and I'm just like, oh my gosh! And it was seeing those kids attached to some of them with technology and things like that that inspired me to get on Dexcom. I mean, like if this freaking six year old <laughs> can yeah. do it, what am I afraid of? I yep. mean, geez. Well, and I'll, I'll tell you, I um, tried the, um, uh, I won't name the brand, but I did try a CGM yeah. a few years ago. Absolutely hated it. My husband talked me into it. My husband keeps up with all of the research, all the technology. It's good. I, a long time ago, gave it up and said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to live day to day. I'm just, I'm, I can't do it. But that man has held, he holds on to hope. Right. And um, so technology, research, he's all on it. And he comes home and says, I really want you to do this. Mm. He's on me for about six months. And I'm like, okay, all right, we're going to do it. Shut up. That thing went off all the time. I hated it. We were in New York. It was two in the morning and I just ripped it out, threw it across the room and said, I'm done. <laughs> and he's like, what? Waking up. What? What? What just happened? And I'm like, I'm done with your gasmo, your gizmo thing. I'm done. You know, and so I haven't had one. Well, now here I am a few years later and I am in the throes, in the middle of um, a new project and this project, through grace, brings me right back to my passion. <laughs> brings me right back to, um, you know, everybody thinks about what's going to happen when you win the lottery. Right. And so James and I had a plan. Uh, there's a particular family in the Oklahoma City area, and we love their model. They own um, some 
uh, retail stores and they have a model that their family meets kind of quarterly and talks about where they're going to give money and how they're going to. I love that. I do too. And James and I have always talked about, you know, if we ever won the lottery, you know, the 200 million or close to a billion, if we win that one, right, right. (laughs) We love the idea, you know, bringing our family in and let's on a quarterly basis, talk about what we're going to give to. And so James and I have, I have my own idea for a foundation Mm -hmm. and that would be specifically to write checks for kids to go to camp. I love it. And then James has his project and we thought above all things, our two projects and then whatever, whatever else, you know, the kids want to, we as a family want to donate to. And so we're in the middle of this excellent project that we have, <laughs> which is why we're here. Yeah. Cause this is one of the things that she had announced, um, during the T1D support group Yep. as a partnership. So yeah. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. So we have formed some partnerships mm-hmm. and uh, what James and I are doing is we are hosting the Oklahoma Born and Branded Festival in Guthrie, Oklahoma. I kind of want to say giddy up. But. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go Cowboys ahead. and horses and all the fun stuff. Guthrie has a lot of horses. This is right. like, this is, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Oklahoma Born and Branded is um, a, a new festival to Guthrie. Okay. Uh, we've, we've had it before but not here and not in this magnitude and um, the focus of the festival is to build and develop Oklahoma businesses so this is not your normal festival this is not your normal uh, you know vendors right your vendors are Oklahoma businesses right that are trying to make it grow and develop everyone has to be an Oklahoma registered business we have two stages uh, the free music stage is all Oklahoma musicians. Love it. I'm so excited about it. Um, Friday night, we have Ty England. We are so excited to have Ty. Everybody knows where he's touring and who he's touring with right now. <laughs> um, but, you know, we we love that we have him. We have, you know, an Oklahoma, you know, just amazing man. Um, who's going to come open our show for us. That's we great. Are, we are just so pumped. Now, do all the musicians know the purpose of this and that the money that's raised is going to what we're about to our talk about? Our special project. Yeah. Um, most know what the big Saturday night show, okay. and the Saturday night show is when we're really highlighting and focusing, but um, the the entire festival will be raising money for this project all the entire time. Right. Um, so Oklahoma businesses, Oklahoma musicians, um, musical artists, um, instrumentalists. And then we have an Oklahoma uh, built and branded car show. So it's Oklahoma cars, Oklahoma guys (laughs) showing off their stuff. Oh, I can see it already. I know. We're so excited. So Friday night is Ty England. Mm -hmm. Saturday night is Cameron Newby. Uh, He's a band. They're in Nashville recording and uh, they are coming home. What we are doing is we are raising money to send kids to camp. Yay! That is what this whole thing has come around to, is that, you know, we finally realized, James and I realized several months ago, you know, we don't have to win the lottery to do what's our heart's desire. Right. And our heart's desire is to save people, change people, yeah, love people, inspire people, and give hope. Well, and not only for the diabetes community, but you think about it, I've always been a small business owner or ran a nonprofit. 
having a forum like this that are bringing people together who want to support local. Yep. It's huge. I mean, so the ripple effect of this and think about all the booths that are there. They're going to hear about this story. They're going to learn more about type one diabetes and how they can help and give back. So, I mean, it's the beginning of a very large wave. Yeah. We're, and we're going to believe that and we're going to hold that in our prayer. Absolutely. We, we are changing things, you know, with this three day festival. Um, but our goal is to raise money so that we can send kids to camp. Um, the foundation is being set up so we can write checks so we can send kids to camp and we can put their names on it. I love it. And send them so they know that somebody, somebody felt enough, cared enough, believed enough in what one week of bringing kids with the same disease together right means in the long term it's it's definitely going to make a difference and you know somebody who didn't go to camp um it i've talked about it often i think it would have been really good i did the cheerleading camp and that sucked yeah <laughs> because i had diabetes for throughout you know it was right? like a total nightmare but um yeah what i can't do a lift wait my blood sugar's <laughs> right. slow somebody else catch her real fast right oh seriously it. oh yeah. it was ridiculous i'm glad i lived through those years but yeah whatever um so let's talk about i always i'm always fascinated by it since you've it's rare that i get to sit across from somebody who's had diabetes as long as i have roughly um when you were first diagnosed what did they put you on i was on um Oh my gosh. Okay. Eight, um, R and N P H cloudy and clear. Yes. Cloudy and clear (laughs) regular and N P H. And you did that for how long? I did that for almost 15 years. Oh wow. Okay. So I Hmm. did that. And I remember being at camp and one of the girls was a human trial for a pump. Wow. And I just kept thinking, what in the world? Now we've got to walk around with you <laughs> extra know, parts, extra parts and machines <laughs> hanging off of us. I was like, I'm not going to do it. You know, but at that point in time, I was so rebellious. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything, <laughs> you know? And, um, it took me a little while. I waited. I mean, I, I got through this patch, you know, where I was like, I'm done. I'm out. Thanks. <laughs> you know, took the blood sugar. I'm done. Tap, you know, and I got through that and I was, um, you know, middle to end of my twenties and I'm thinking I'm done taking a shot at 7am and 5pm. Yeah. My life is, is not, not that is not yeah. that. And so I went to the doctor and I said, look, I'm done. I'm done taking shots. I'm over it. I, I'm out. <laughs> you know, I can't, I don't live my life this way. Right. I can't take a shot, wait 30 minutes and then eat. It's, it's, it's not working. And he says, well, you know, you could do this whole carb counting thing. And I'm like, okay, okay, I can count carbs. Okay. Because I'd been on an unmeasured diet the entire time. So I had never measured my food when I was in the hospital. I was trained. This is kind of what this looks like. This is kind of what this looks like. Um, But I always took the same amount of insulin. Yeah, me too. My insulin never changed in 15 years. The amount that I took never changed. And Which, looking back on that, don't you think, that is so messed up because you've now made it through puberty. Right. God knows what was going on in the college, you know. The, right. I mean, college. So, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, 
it's okay. So 15 years, same medication. And yeah. And I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. And he says to me, well, yeah. So you just take a shot when you eat. And at first I'm like, oh, how cool is that? I don't always eat breakfast. And sometimes I skip lunch. And then I was like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Um, If I eat a snack pack at three in the afternoon, I have to take a shot. And then if I eat dinner two hours later, I'm taking another shot. And if I have a snack before bed and he goes, yeah, yeah, that's how it works. No, no. Are you, you totally missed the point. (laughs) I'm going from two shots to an undetermined amount of shots. Right. I'm not going to do that either. And he's like, well, we're gonna have to figure this out. And I said, well, I'm out. I, I, I'm not doing it, you know? And, uh, of course, again, I'm out. And, uh, he says, well, let's try a pump. And I'm like, okay. So I got to walk around with the beeper. Thank you. No. (laughs) Right. And by this time, you know, pagers, personal pagers yeah. were not cool anymore. Right. They were not the end thing. It, you it couldn't was, disguise it. Right. And I mean, people were like, you're walking around with a beeper, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not a beeper. It's a pump. But here's the thing with Speaking that. Speaking of that, is that going off right now? Is that your pump? It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm, I get it. I get the pump. I've had it on for 24 hours. When I wake up the next morning, I've had it on for 24 hours. I got up the next morning and I had no idea that the day before when I got up, I didn't feel good. Right. I had no idea I didn't feel good. Yeah. 24 hours with insulin in my body and I was a new feistier woman. (laughs) (laughs) It gave you energy. Well, it's, yeah, I didn't know. I didn't feel normal. Right. I, I just, I felt like I was looking at everything around me brighter and differently and more vibrantly. I just, I felt my body just like, spring alive and i i didn't even know Mm. that i didn't feel good how old were you at this point um i think late 20s in my late 20s at this point and i i just what in the world you know and i kept thinking i kept walking around all day long going why did they wait so long (laughs) why did they wait so long to tell me about this right why didn't we do this from the beginning you know, and of course, when I was diagnosed, when you were diagnosed, yeah. this wasn't, it wasn't the thing, but it didn't take me long, you know, at three or four visits back. And I'm like, why are they not starting every kid on this? Right. Why is every kid not starting their life on this? Why do they have to feel the way I felt, you know, on Tuesday last week? Yeah. And, um, and that's know. drastically changing now. I, I mean, I don't know what the actual protocol is and i'm sure it's dependent upon the diagnosis and endocrinologist yeah but now they really heavily encourage yep pump therapy and you know to be honest like we were talking about watching these young people give shots i've never worn a pump so i don't know what it's like but what a gift that gives them to have a i'm going to say more normal life yep um, absolutely <clears throat> the the freedom and it took me a while to figure it out because i was in such a scheduled regimen yep like the first time I skipped breakfast, I you know you feel like you've just broken the law and getting Seriously. away with it. Yeah. You're just like what, you know? Or I ate at ten o'clock at night, you know? 
I'm like, I can do this. I'm a, I'm a grown up. I can do it. Right. You know, the first full glass of wine <laughs> I had all by itself, you know, right. And I wasn't thinking I need a protein and I need, you right. know, um, some crackers and I need all these things to counteract the up and down. <laughs> I was just like, what? I mean, it's like it a new amazing. sense of freedom. I mean, in the weirdest way. And I mean, I think you're a lot like me as I've always been very disciplined Mm, very. And then when you break that, you beat yourself up. So it's like, then the mental health comes in. It's like, well, you're by doing this, you're killing yourself, Amber, like blah, blah, blah. And then I'm like, but I just want to have that glass of wine or I just want to, I don't eat sweets, but have that piece of cake and not right. beat myself up about it. So, you know, I'm not going to lie. I have sweets. I'm not even going to pretend like I don't. I mean, it does not hurt my feelings to have some birthday cake and some ice cream at all. Um, When I was first diagnosed, I went one full year. I went one full year, not even on my birthday, not even at Christmas. Yeah. Did I have anything? Because I kept thinking, you know, I just, I need to know what this feels like. I need to know what this is. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then I got a little older and I would always say, you know, someday I'll just die with a bag of Oreos in my (laughs) lap and that's how people will find me. But they'll know I went out amazing, you know. So I was like, I just want an Oreo. Well, you know, now I can have an Oreo. Yeah. If I want an Oreo, I take an, I have an Oreo. I get the double stuffed, not going to (laughs) lie, you know, double stuffed Oreo. And I, you know, just push a button and that's a lot of freedom. The freedom is amazing. Well, and I think it's good to, um, when there's this whole like black and white part right now, like the parents that allow their kids to eat anything, the other parents are judgmental because they should be teaching them to eat things that I don't know. It's just kind of ridiculous. And my theory is eat whatever you choose to, as long as you feel okay. Yeah. You know, like sugar, I just have never, felt good with that type of stuff but no. you put a bag of chips in front of me i'm gonna eat the chips and the salsa i'm going to eat those things and um, oh, i'm not gonna walk away from that either gonna... <laughs> <laughs> i'll be right there with but and and i would agree with you you know i i would tell parents as yeah you know someone in their 40s it's it's okay and just understand it's, learn it's, your carb counts yeah and you're gonna mess up yeah we're, I, we're gonna blow it I'm in my mid forties and I blow it, you know, and we just, and we just fix it. You fix it and move on. Um, don't dwell. Yeah. I get absolutely. Let's have healthy meals. I, I get that. There are parents with kids who don't have diabetes or any type of illness and, and they live a very stringent, you know, uh, clean, I think they call it clean eating lifestyle and that's okay. Right. That's okay. And there are parents, um, kind of like James and I, um, pretty liberal with you know what dinner may look like it could be peanut butter and jelly right you know that's that's, good that's okay too yeah that's okay too what's important is what works for you and your family yeah and what encourages your kid with type one well and as i was saying when i got into this um i had sushi today for lunch and i love sushi but i don't eat it very often mainly because i don't eat white rice but you know i totally guessed and still riding a wave. I'm right, you know, in my two hundreds right now, but, um, I ate the sushi <laughs> you know? yeah. with low sodium. soy. I will say that. Yep. Got to worry about your salt intake, but okay. Now going back. Um, so, and I'm going to link everything in the show notes. So anything that we're talking about, just go to the, um, diabetes daily grind 
website and all and click on this episode and everything that we're talking about the camp um the event uh, future announcements that are coming yep. from this because yep. i know we'll probably discuss again at some point how much money was raised yep, how many kids so. how many kids we're sending to camp are you kidding me i cannot wait i cannot wait yeah and I'm maybe so just we interview some of the kids at some point i know i've interviewed a few from camp blue hawk but it's nice to hear their perspective on what camp did for them without a coach. You know what I mean? Like, yep. just tell us about your experience. So yep. do you have, and I know whether it's one kid or 400 kids, do you guys have a goal as to how many children you want to send? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> My heart is all of them. Um, I, I want any child, any mom, any dad right. that would reach out and say, I can't, I can't, can you? I, I want enough money to send everyone that needs it. So will there be an application process on your website? Yeah, we'll, okay. have, to, yeah, we'll have to do a little application. There'll have to be a process because I want the people who are donating yeah. to know that they're changing somebody's life. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that the person who wrote the check with my name knows how much they changed my life. They saved my life. I really wish you're in, let's talk about your career. You're in forensic. I mean, you could, I feel like you could find an investigator to figure out who this person is. Uh, Possibly. Um, You know, I'm, Hmm. I'm, I don't know, but we may leave, we may leave that to God and and just let him work that through that, you know, because now, you know, I, this is public. This is out there. This is on the radio waves. Um, Someone's going to hear it and know I'm the one who wrote that check for her. Oh. And so, you know, I would, I would want them to know, you know, at 14, 15, 16, actually probably at 14, I just wanted to feel better. So I was okay. But by the time we got to 15 and 16, yeah. you know, I was broken. I was broken and I was ready to not climb the stairs for the Cheerios. And, you know, by, by grace, absolutely by grace, I believe I never had one of those events right. like that again when, when I was so broken. Right. But I know that someone was moved enough or loved me enough to send me someplace I didn't want to go to get the support I didn't know I needed. Right. And it made all the difference. What a blessing. And it inspired my life in such a way that here I am 30 years later finding an avenue to do my heart's desire and that's to send kids to camp that's a well and yeah it's incredible and i'm not going to do this on my own there's nothing that i'll be doing on my own it will take every one of us stepping forward doing something to send them And, and you know even so tickets are how much tickets are 20 bucks so it's affordable. So even if you can't be somebody that makes a donation, you can buy a $20 ticket. That's right. Can they buy them online? They can. So even if you can't attend the event, let's say you're in Chicago, but you really want to you believe in what we're talking about, buy a ticket. Yep. Oklahoma, bornandbranded.com. I know it's long. I apologize. In <laughs> retrospect, I should have made it much shorter. Um, I hear about it all the time now. But Oklahoma, bornandbranded.com. Under the music section, there are links uh, to buy tickets. You can buy tickets to the concerts. And um, the website's getting ready to be updated. It should have been done this weekend, so I apologize. 
but there will be uh, links for direct donations. Oh, okay. That's perfect. Yeah. Now I want to touch on one last thing because, um, I have interviewed a a few women who have type one, obviously, but have had a family. Um, I know that in our early years of diagnosis, mine, you know, that was one of the things that I couldn't or shouldn't have children. Yep. You've had a few. I've had a few. How many children do you have? I have three beautiful babies. And everybody's healthy. Everybody's healthy. Uh, My husband and I have five. Um, We're a combined family, but I have three that are mine. Um, And they are all healthy, and they are beautiful. And um, I will tell you that I was told the same thing. Mm. Don't have babies. My parents were told, you know, It'll kill her. She's not going to make it. It'll shorten her life. Right. You know, don't, don't do it. Um, and I will tell you, my, my first son um, was not planned. Right. But one of, the, one of the most exciting, you know, it changes in my life. And, you know, having him didn't come without a cost. Sure. And it didn't come without a, a serious conversation with my parents. Right. You know, they were scared of losing their daughter, rightfully so. Yeah. Rightfully so. And, um, you know, and I was scared of making the right and the wrong choice. (laughs) And uh, I have an amazing son who is strong and loving and, you know, healthy Mm. and a smart aleck all at the same time. (laughs) Uh, He's in his 20s. He's 22. Dave is 22. Emily is 21. And we have a nine-year-old. So, you know, going back, so bam, bam, right out of, I mean. Oh, yeah, not planned. Not, uh, just some full <laughs> disclosure, not planned. But, you know, you already knew what you were getting. So baby number one, you didn't know what you were getting into, but you right. made it through. When it, right. Pregnancy number two, were you like, well, I've got this under my belt already. Right. We know what to do. Right. We know what to do and we know how to do it. Um, we know for me. For me, what blood sugar control looks like. We right. know by that time, we knew what, I mean, because Emily and Dave are 14 months apart. We knew, you know, what what month three looked like. Yeah. And we knew how to handle that. And, um, you know, for me, having kids in my 20s, um, while not on the, not on the schedule, mm-hmm. not on the plan, <laughs> was the best time for me. Yeah. You know. And then uh, we had Bentley, and I was in my uh, mid to late 30s, and very different, a little bit more challenging, sure, you know, but by grace, and it, because of control and awareness, mm-hmm. you know, and being vigilant, and I did have a good support team, right? Um, you know, we have a, an amazing bouncing little boy, and, you know, there, there are challenges if you don't have type one diabetes, being sure. pregnant in your late thirties, early forties, mm-hmm. there are those challenges anyway. You get to go to the high risk, high risk doctor anyway, you know? <laughs> so I was like, Hey, I'm no different than everybody else in here. <laughs> you know, we're all in the same age bracket. Um, as before, right. You know, I was barely in my twenties and yeah. I was sitting there with, you know, a lot older women going, Oh my gosh, you know, <laughs> cause you're I'm in the high not, risk at that yeah, age. I'm, yeah. high, I'm high risk at 21. <laughs> what in the world? And, um, you know, so it was a little bit different, the next go around and of course you know we have a, some hilarious stories about ben being born because i was like i've been through this i swear by all that's holy i'm not going to that hospital until it's time to deliver him we're right. not going for false labor we're not going for anything and um i had high blood pressure oh yeah 
and um, my husband <laughs> did corporate challenge every year mm-hmm. and we were at corporate challenge of course it was the first week in june hot hundred stinking degrees yeah every every first weekend in june hundred stinking degrees and i was out there and i was like i am not doing well my feet were swelling i just and i was like i'm gonna go home lay down and he's like yeah well let's go my swelling in my feet wouldn't go down and he's like i'm gonna call the hospital calls the hospital and the hospital's like you need to get her here right now hmm and I was like, I'm not doing this. It is Saturday. Dave and Emily are at Papa's house playing. And I've got this weekend to clean the house and get stuff <laughs> done. I am not spending the day at the hospital. Here I am with that. I'm not doing it again. Right. This should be a lesson to me. The second I say I'm not doing it, the Lord's it's like, like, it's like tapping you on the shoulder. Right. You're going. I was like, I'm, I'm not going. And he's like, you need to get up and go. My husband was, you know, we're, we're going. And right. I was like, well, I need to pick up the dry cleaning. I need to drop <laughs> the dog off at the vet. I need to take a shower. And let me go ahead and get the crock pots and everything else ready. <laughs> you know, the hospital called my husband back and said, where is she? Oh, Lord. And he said, well, she's at the dry cleaners. <laughs> and they were like, you need to go get her right now. Wow. Come up there. So we go up there. And I'm like, I, I'm not doing this. I'm not. What was the reason for the, well, the I, I mean. Well, because I, so I was retaining water. Yeah. My legs weren't, the swelling wouldn't go down. So that was an indication to them that yeah. I had high blood pressure. The blood pressure was high. And yeah. it wasn't coming down when I laid down or when I relaxed. Right. Well, me, I was like, I'm not spending, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to the hospital till I'm having this baby. It, it's not, I'm just not. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. So that poor nurse, she came in, she said, honey, I need you to put a gown on. Nope. Not doing it. I, I said, do you know how much energy it takes to get dressed? <laughs> I, no, I'm not. How getting far undressed. along are you at this point? Where? I am six weeks from my due date. Okay. So you're, you're good. I'm, I'm, I'm in my late thirties, yeah. third baby. I am huge. <laughs> I am huge. I'm like, no, we may I'm, need a picture of this in the show notes. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm not taking my, do you know what it's like to take your pants off? I was like, do you know what it took for me to get them on? I can't see my feet, much less tie my shoes. No, right. I'm not putting a gown on. And uh, I said, I'm, ma'am, I said, I'm not. I said, I'm, you know, just for me to go home in a few hours. She goes, honey, you're not, you're not going home today. <laughs> I look over at James and he looks at me and I, did you know this? He's like, I'm learning it right now, honey. I'm learning right now. And I'm like, I'm going home. And she's mm. like, no, no, you're not. And so by golly, true to my word, I will only I went to the hospital to have a baby one time. And, and you uh, did it. And we did it. So Ben came a couple days later and, and we're all good. But Oh, I'm glad everybody ever you know, everything worked out. Yeah. Um let me think what else. So do you have any fears that your three biological children will um, carry the gene. And I don't even know if that's the right term. Be diagnosed. Nope. Nope. And I'm going to tell you, I stand in faith on that. Yeah. Um, I stand strong and hard, um, prayed over my babies long time ago, and, and regularly they are healed and they are saved, and, and the blood of Jesus covers them. Right. And uh, I accept that and nothing else for them. Yeah. Well, that's a good attitude to have. So anything else you want to say about the future of your foundation and what you're about to do? We're about to send some kids to camp. And <laughs> <laughs> so 
obviously we want we want to we want to send kids we want to change lives and we want to inspire hope our family right. word for the year is hope that's that's our our what we're trying to do instill hope in Oklahoma businesses by them having a place to grow and still yeah. hope you know in Oklahoma musicians that they have a venue and a place to be heard instill hope in children with type 1 diabetes and adults with type 1 diabetes it's okay to be broken mm-hmm. it's okay to be hurt it's okay to reach out. It's okay to break down as long as you get back up. And I want to say, too, for the parents or the people that are listening to this about the camp situation, sometimes you have to, and I'm sure as a parent, um, drop the ego and ask for help. Yep. So apply for the scholarship. Think about the child yep. and what they're going to get out of this, not the fact that you couldn't afford it at the time, but let's be honest, right. the cost of keeping that kid alive is astronomical. So right. ask for help when you need it. Yep. Ab- absolutely. You know, we just, we just need people to ask for money. I can't, I can't just give, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I need someone to say, Hey, can we have some of that? Bring it on, <laughs> you know? And the next part of that So that's, you know, this is our, this is our step one um, of strategic planning um, (laughs) because we do a lot of strategic planning with the groups that we work with. So step one, send kids to camp. Step two, we're going to start buying some insulin pumps. Yeah. That's the next part of this. Um, You know, I know how many pumps I've bought. I know how much I've paid in co-pays. Yeah. Um, I know what it's cost with insurance and without insurance. So the second part of this is you know the second the second desire of my heart is that no kid should have to wait if they don't have to right. for a pump. Well, and, and you witness it. I mean, the difference in how it made you feel. Yep. Um, I think that will be in another incredible gift because, uh, yeah, a lot of kids need this stuff. Yep. Adults too. I mean, adults too. The technology, and I have to tell you, I am impressed. And I am humbled by the technology that has been developed and the tools that are available for parents it's today. Incredible. I mean, I can't imagine what your parents or my parents went through worrying about us in the middle of the night. Seriously. And, and I, you know, I just, I think of if they had the technology they had today, my mama would have known a long time before she heard me on yeah. the kitchen floor, she would have known a long time before that that my blood sugar was dropping. Yeah. I may have known a long time before then. The technology is amazing. It's a totally different ballgame for kids mm-hmm. today. And unfortunately, we all live with the same disease, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're going to have, in my mind, a much easier road. Hopefully. And so that's why we need to raise some money to make sure that they have the resources that they need to, to do that. Right. So let's take let's take care of you know the physical needs if we can if we can meet needs by buying pumps you know that's step two of yeah. it but if we can meet uh, the mental health needs of companionship hope understanding mm-hmm. um, you know for a long time I was the only kid in my school yeah with type one and when I went to uh, the big kids camp this summer um, I think I made it to almost all the camps you know I asked how many of you in here are the only kid in your school with type one Mm. you know and about half the room would raise their hand you know and if you can imagine the only kid in your school and and you're having to train and teach and educate 
you know, because every low may be different. Every high may look differently. It's going to feel different. It's going to have a different cause. Absolutely. You know, it's not always because you ate a cupcake, (laughs) you know, or some crackers. Right. Sometimes it's just because your body's having an off day. Yep. And how do you explain that? You know, so camp is a way to just build camaraderie to help them have support to let them know and reinforce to them they're not they're not alone they're not in it by themselves you know i think that's the most valuable thing um the most one of the most important things that somebody with an autoimmune deficiency disease needs to be or you know to, to feel to hear um it's that sense of community. And I'm so truly blessed just like running into you and the other people through the diabetes online community. I mean, again, you know, I'm about to, it doesn't matter. Having to talk about the fact that the DOC changed my life. And I can't imagine, like we were talking about when you found your voice, what my life would be like if I hadn't. You know, I would be probably stupidly really angry, not yeah. intentionally not knowing, but I'm just so, yeah, camp, whether it's kids camp, teenage camp, whatever, you know, adult camp, adult camp. We need this big time. And I want to make sure that to the parents who are listening, you are a support team. Yeah. They're not doing it by themselves. They're not alone. You, you are with them. And and type one is a, is a family thing. (laughs) Mm-hmm. You know, nobody does it by themselves. Nobody goes through it by themselves. So I want the parents to just remember and be encouraged at amazing parents who love me and supported me. Yeah. And did everything they knew to do, you know, in the, in the best way that they could. Um, and because of that, you know, we're still here working through it. Yeah. You know, so I, I want them to still feel encouraged. I still, you know, I want, I want parents to know that, you know, you, you're not, not a part of it. You're, right. you're one of the most critical pieces and you're going to mess up and you're going to mess up and it's okay. Yeah. Watching some of the parents and support groups and things get so upset and hard on themselves. I'm just like, man, it's not an easy disease. No, no. Forgive we, yourself. Right. <clears throat> And, and let me just, let's be honest, you and I, let's be honest. There's nothing those parents are going to mess up that when we are in total control of our own yeah. pump and our own monitors, uh, we're going to do our own jacking things up, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll have our own stories to tell, yeah. you know, so it, it's okay. Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for taking time. And I look forward to this event and reporting back to everybody as to the magnitude and the number of people you're able to serve. And so thank you and James and your family for your philanthropy and um, definitely giving back to the diabetes community because we all know we need it. (laughs) Yep. Super excited. Can't wait. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Daily grind and the daily
Wow. Rebecca is a brave soul, and she did a phenomenal job sharing her story after keeping it to herself for so long. I hope a huge weight has been lifted and she realizes the impact this will have on others living with this disease and their families. She's a perfect example of how attitude is very much a part of living with diabetes. Kudos, Rebecca, on turning the corner and using this experience to help send T1D kiddos to camp while supporting local businesses. Everyone needs a Rebecca in their community, and I'm so thankful to have her here in in Oklahoma. Before I wrap up, I have a few last-minute items I want to share. This episode is coming out about two weeks prior to the eventful weekend. Please take a moment to check out the Oklahoma Born and Branded website. Purchase a ticket, make a donation, share with friends, yada yada, whatever it takes. I want this event to be a raging success. So let's show her some diabetes love. Number two, the Real Life Diabetes Consulting Group is growing and was created to help bridge the communication and awareness gap between the patient and medical community. We've been corresponding with hospital groups and research institutes from across the country and look forward to what lies ahead. Please note, the Diabetes Daily Grind website will soon highlight our team and the services we provide. We are one of a kind, and I can't wait to share this with you guys. It's an exciting time here at the DDG, and I will share the deets one day soon. Number three, final push for Patreon subscription. (laughs) It's my duty. That's what I've got to do. Sorry about it. But um, I truly hope you'll sign up, share with a friend or on social media. And I want to share, and I say this with humility, I've been nominated for Best Diabetes Podcast and can't wait to attend the inaugural Myabetic Awards Ceremony on October 24th in Hollywood, California. I'm not kidding, and I'm, I've said this in episode 65, your Patreon subscription will help make help me make it to the red carpet. I've got no shame anymore. It really does make a difference. Um, so whatever you're able to give, I'd appreciate it. And again, for those with the higher levels, no offense to the lower levels, all of it's appreciated. You get access to some of my celebrity guests, and that will continue to grow. And finally... If you have feedback, ideas, comments, or complaints, please send them my way. It really does help guide the future for what I'm doing and future guests and content and other things like that because you know, I'm a, I'm a voice for you and I want to know what, what's going on in your mind. So feel free to shoot me any ideas at amber at diabetesdailygrind.com and I'll get back with you as soon as I can. I know there are a lot of people that have reached out about products or services or um, and, you know, I really do. And my team, we, we go through this with a fine tooth comb so that we can bring quality guests and content to you. So keep the ideas coming. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. So cheers to the highs and lows, everyone. A little thing called diabetes is a daily grind and a daily grind. more lands
that's the you You said I got more that says than you Little thing called diabetes.